there, Christine Garza again. We are wrapping up our last day of the daily encouragement series this week titled, Why Will My Mountain Not Move? We have uh, been looking at the puzzle pieces to determine if there's anything maybe we have missed or not understood uh, in these verses of Mark chapter 11 verses 22 through 26. And tonight we're going to put that last piece of the puzzle in by looking at verse 25 and verse 26. I hope you've enjoyed your time with me as much as I have with you. And we're going to go right into it. Once more, we will open up and read the entire text of Mark 11 verse 22 through 26 and Jesus answering saith unto them have faith in God for verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart but believes that those things which he saith shall come to pass then they shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Verse 24, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any, so that your Father who's in heaven can forgive you your trespasses. For if you do not forgive, then your father who's in heaven will not be able to forgive your trespasses. Tonight, as I said, we're going to focus on verse 25 and verse 26. And the words in these two verses provide what I think is great insight to the struggle that we sometimes have in removing these mountains out of our life. Again, and when ye stand praying forgive. And if you have aught against any, forgive so that your father in heaven may forgive your trespasses. This scripture right away, it just seems out of place. If you're just glancing at it, to me, it's like reading through Proverbs and, you know, a lot of chapters in Proverbs, it's like a, a bullet point list of different principles to live by. And one may not relate to the one above it or below it. And at first glance, that's kind of what this seems. Jesus has been talking to the disciples about moving mountains, praying for desires, believing that you receive them. And then it's like he just throws out there. And when you stand praying, forgive uh, if you have aught against any, otherwise your father in heaven can't forgive you. So what does forgiving my brother or my sister have to do with my faith? I think that would be the question, um, unless we already know the answer to this, which I'm hoping to bring to you tonight. Uh, other than sometimes we have to have faith to forgive and sometimes a lot of it, but faith is towards God. It's vertical. And my forgiveness towards you or your, yours towards me, that's, that's horizontal. And they don't really seem to relate to one another. Like what does one have to do with the other? Um, the point of contact though, there is a point of contact. And that point of contact is right where you're going to find the very heart of Jesus. So the first thing I want to do is I just want to confirm that Jesus really was tying in these two thoughts together, that he meant to, to tie in verse 25 and 26 to the ones above it, that faith, getting your mountain moves out of the, moved out of the way, has anything to do with how I choose to forgive you or not to forgive you. 
He says, and when you stand praying, forgive. So see, Jesus here was not merely talking about standing like in a geographical location on your two legs. I looked up the word there and that word standing there in the Greek is steko and it means to stand firm, to persevere, to persist, persist, to keep one's standing. This kind of standing that Jesus is talking about is a posture of the heart. It's not a posture of our body. So why does he say, when you stand praying? Well, because he just finished telling his disciples and us who have been studying this, that whatsoever things you desire, when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. And we learned yesterday that faith is what you have to hold on to as that evidence between the time that you pray and the time of the you shall have them. So what he's saying is, after you pray this, you're going to be in a place of persevering, of standing, and uh, to persist, to stand firm. So again, he's not talking about just standing. Otherwise, he would have said, and when you run praying, or when you lay praying, or when you cry praying, or when you kneel praying. He wasn't talking about a bodily posture. He was talking about a posture of the heart. So... And, he, and he, knew, he knew to say this because he, he was getting across that we're going to be standing in a place where we're going to have to have our heels dug in and we are persisting in believing uh, that we have received so that we shall actually have here in the natural. And so now that we've cleared up that these scriptures were all meant to be lumped in together, that they all feed off of one another... I just want to ask you, and trust me, I've asked myself plenty of times. Um, I think it's something that we have to continue to ask ourselves: is who do you need to forgive? Is it possible that you have gotten everything right in this portion of scripture in Mark chapter 11? Is it possible that you've had faith in God, that you've spoken to the mountain, that you haven't gotten off of your confession, that you have believed that you have received, that you know God wants to give you the desires of your heart, but possibly you have unforgiveness in your heart towards someone? So these are the kinds of questions I'm going to ask, and I just want you to do a little time of reflection because the, the end goal here is to get the mountains moved out of the way, even if it's a little bit uncomfortable in the process. So I want to ask you, are you bitter towards anyone? I mean, anyone. It can be someone from your past. It can be someone from your present, someone you work with. It, it could even be someone that you live with. Are you bitter? How do you know if you're bitter? You're bitter if when you think about that person or they come around or you see them, your, your mouth and your face kind of kind of do that thing. You're just, ugh. That means you're bitter. You, you, you're bitter towards that person. Uh, have you, have you maybe pushed under the rug anger, but you know it's there and it's only going to really take a small trigger to release it? Is there anybody that you're angry, but you've, you've, you've gotten good at masking it or just pushing it under the rug? You're just holding it in. What about this one? Have you, have you been offended by someone? And has it caused you to look at that person with disdain or suspicion? These are real questions that we have to ask ourselves. 
Is there an incident, small or large, that has negatively affected you and you're still able to rehearse it whenever it comes up? I mean, if you can still feel it, if you can still remember the details and you're quick to tell the story of it, it's a possibility that there's unforgiveness there. What person or, or even group of people, and I think this is a very important question for all of us to ask ourselves right now, especially as our country is divided literally into groups of people, but is there a person or groups of people even that, that make you mad just thinking about them? So ask yourself who it is that you have not forgiven. Search deep and don't cheat yourself by justifying your unforgiveness with thoughts like, oh, I definitely forgave that person. I'm just never going to forget it. That's not forgiveness. It's really not because forgiveness is birthed in love. And it, it may start out as an act of faith, but true forgiveness will be evident because you won't have those feelings any longer. Um, or you might say, I'm not offended by anyone. I just don't like being around that person. They irritate me. Well, that's offense. Even if you're just offended by their personality, that's offense. And if you carry that around, you're going you're gonna to develop this, this sense of unforgiveness. And that person's going to end up saying something that you're not going to like. And you're going you're gonna to have issues to deal with. So I was asking the Lord about verse 26 because he says, if you don't forgive, then your father in heaven will not forgive your trespasses. I mean, if so, if we're not forgiven, I mean, doesn't that mean we're going to go to hell? I mean, that's scary. But don't worry. I dug just a little bit deeper. <laughs> and as I really meditated on this and prayed about this, you know, I realized forgiveness is an act. It's a work. It's part of, it's part of what we work out in our salvation. And we're not saved by works. And God is a just God. So when he says, if you don't forgive others, I won't be able to forgive your trespasses. He's, he's not talking about the kind of forgiveness that leads to eternal salvation. Because he's just, unless my forgiveness towards someone else could condemn them to hell, then God's not going to hold that same kind of standard against me. There is a forgiveness that doesn't lead to eternal salvation. It's the kind of forgiveness that operates down here on the earth. What it leads to is mercy. It leads to avoiding correction and discipline and payment for uh, sins committed one against another or against God. Matthew chapter 7 verse 2 in the Passion Bible puts it pretty clearly. It says, you will be judged by the same standard that you've used to judge others. The measurement that you use on them will be used on you. Well, right there, that tells us two things. One, you, you can't judge or condemn somebody to hell, so that's not what God is saying. What he's saying is the same harshness, the same desire to see them have to pay the price, that's what we open ourselves up to when we're not willing to forgive. That's how the father is then going to, we're going to be in a position that where we need correction and discipline that we've positioned ourselves to receive it. And I just want to say this strongly and clearly. I do not want my sins, my shortcomings, my failures, or any, or any other error of mine in life to be capitalized upon and corrected with severe discipline. I want mercy. I want God to turn his eye away from my errors and keep on blessing me. So if you're struggling to forgive, 
because you have a fear that someone is going to get off the hook, that they're not going to get what's coming to them, and you already had to suffer your part and now you want them to have to suffer for what they've done, then I just encourage you to immerse yourself in the love of God. Read books about His love. Hear songs about His love. Stay in His presence. His love will take over every fear and cast that out of your life. You know, we look at 1 Corinthians chapter 13 as the love chapter in the Bible, and I was really amazed as I was doing a study on mountains and forgiveness and all this that I found uh, in 1 Corinthians 13, uh, it says in verse 1, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I have become a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Verse 2, and though I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And listen to this, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but if I have not love, I'm nothing. Right here, we just see this tied in so perfectly with uh, Mark chapter 11 in, in verse 25 and 26. You could move mountains. You could have all the faith necessary. But you know what you have? If you have nothing, you have nothing. I looked up the word nothing there just in case there was something special to it. It literally says nothing, nobody, no one. Nothing. It says you could have the faith. And though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but if I don't have love, which is where forgiveness is rooted in, then I have nothing. And I'm sorry, but even if we're standing in front of a mountain and we have all the faith, we still are nothing. We have nothing and we are nothing if we don't have love. It's not worth hanging on to the pain that came through somebody else's human frailty. We are all frail. We are all, we have all hurt each other in one way or another. We have all been disunited and divided from people in our families and in churches and in the workplace because of unforgiveness. And that is not God's plan. And there is no level of sin committed against you in this earth that you could bring to God and say, but what about this? He's going to say, well, what about this? I forgave this with you and I forgave this with you. And Jesus was the perfect, perfect example of forgiveness because he had never done anything wrong to anybody. Everything he did was motivated from love. And yet he forgave all of us who so callously and carelessly denied him and rejected him. So I'm sure I'm at the end of my time and I'm going to take like two minutes and I want to share with you very quickly this testimony that I've been telling you about. Trey and I have been, um, this whole year, we have been standing in faith and speaking to the mountains to uh, of lack and debt to be removed. And we're still doing that. And about six weeks ago or so, um, 
we were back in prayer for our corporate prayer time and uh, the Lord gave Pastor Rusty a, a word for us. And so he called us out and he said, Trey and Chris, uh, it, this is not verbatim, but in a nutshell, you're going to move from a uh, recovery faith to a possessive faith. And you're going to need a word for that. And so the word that he gave us was the word that we've been talking about, all those scriptures from 22 to 26. And he, he got them out and he read it out to us and uh, shared some other encouraging things with us. The thing that stuck out to me the most, though, when he gave us that word was that verse 26. And I thought, does that go with that? Does that go with that? Those other verses? Because he made a... a, a a, a purposeful mention of it. And um, so Trey and I went home and we were just reveling in the fact that uh, God spotlighted us just a little bit in the spirit and gave us some something to hang on to. And we were so excited about that. And we asked ourselves both, do you have unforgiveness? Because I, you know, I, I caught the fact that verse 26 was thrown in there too. I said, I don't have unforgiveness. And I thought I, there's nobody that I'm, there's nobody that I'm, not forgiven. I mean, I, I don't have any, uh, any, anybody that I would consider somebody I don't like or that I'm offended by. And I asked Trey and, and we examined our hearts and we couldn't, we couldn't find anything. And, uh, about, uh, three weeks passed by and we had to make a trip. We had to make this trip. It was not a fun, it was not, not a, just a joy trip. We had to make a trip and this trip was going to cost, uh, some money. Well, due to COVID and, and all of that, we've, we have uh, been really uh, working out and uh, using wisely the blessing that have come in through our business and uh, trying to make each thing, uh, e each resource come in and be spread about as, as uh, responsibly as we could. Um, but at this time that we were going to make this trip, there just was not going to be all of the resources that we needed to uh, to make this trip there and to make it home. So uh, we gathered as a family. We said, no, we don't have a recovery faith anymore. We have a possessive faith. We speak to this mountain in the name of Jesus. Well, the next morning, uh, somebody pulled up to our house and uh, it was a family member and I can't throw anybody under the bus here and I'm not going to, but uh, there was a family member that pulled up and this is a family member that um, does not know the Lord and uh, does does not operate in, in the love of God or in any of the principles of the word of God. And this family member had been taking advantage of another family member financially um, and not paying this other fam family member back and we knew about it. And, um, but this particular family member was also buying things, you know, that cost a lot of money and, um, didn't have a problem showing those things off, even though the person that they owed was struggling in their finances. So they pulled up at eight o'clock in the morning, wanted Trey to come out there and wanted to show Trey this really awesome vehicle. And in that vehicle, he told us that he spent X amount of dollars and Trey walked back in. I said, what was that about? He told me and we both just kind of shook our heads. And I said, well, are you going to call the other family member and say anything? And I don't really think it's our place. And he said, no, I'm not going to, but I could tell that he was perturbed. About an hour later, Trey came in from working and uh, the Lord had already spoken to me that he had set us up 
He had set us up. We had examined our hearts and thought that we didn't have any unforgiveness towards anybody. But the presence of this person and them bringing their uh, their new toy over, it inflamed us. And it, it made us mad for the other family member that was being hurt in this situation. And so Trey came in and he laid on the bed and we were talking and um, we both had that revelation. And we just released that person. We began to pray for him. Once again, renewed our compassion over him as a lost soul. And um, we, and then we began to rejoice because we realized God had set us up and that now, now we don't have unforgiveness in our heart. So about uh, three days pass by and we get in our vehicle to go on this trip and we still do not have the money that we need to make it back. Uh, very well, successfully all the way back. And so we're on the trip. We're still standing in faith. We're believing that God's going to meet our needs on the trip somehow. And I get a phone call from, uh, I get a text from someone who says, um, Hey, Chris, I have not talked to this person in a, in a quite a while. Do I, can I have your Venmo account number? I'd like to send you some money. And I thought, what? Trey, somebody wants to send us money. And I said to this person, I don't know what to say. And they said, we'll just say, thank you, Jesus. So um, I sent my Venmo number. And a few minutes later, I opened up my Venmo account. And there was $1,000 sitting in there. They said, have fun doing this responsibility that you have to do. Eat eat what you want to, you know, have fun. Enjoy this trip. So I called my daughter because this was my daughter's friend. Um, and this was my oldest daughter's friend. And so with that, uh, I said, did, did you, what, what happened there? And she said, I knew about it, but I hadn't told you yet. Um, what happened is I shared with her that you were going to be making a trip, but that you didn't have the resources uh, to do it the way that you needed to. And so she said, well, I feel like the Lord has laid on my heart to uh, send your mom this $1,000. So what was great about this is that my daughter and this person had had unforgiveness between them until that morning. My daughter in prayer that morning decided that she was going to just reach out to this friend of hers who had tried to reconcile with her and she was going to make things right. And so in the presence of God, she did that. She prayed, she got on the phone, she made things right. And that's how the conversation started. So the forgiveness that happened in my home set us up, but the forgiveness that happened between my daughter and her friend opened up that communication line so that the blessing could get back to us. And all of it would not have happened if forgiveness had not taken place. So that wraps up um, the four, the four day, why will my mountain not move series? I hope that you've learned something from this. I know that I have, I'm doing everything I can to put all of these things I've talked about, um, into motion and to, uh, practice them myself. I pray blessings over you. I pray continued revelation over you in the name of Jesus. And I pray that these mountains that are in your life are moved and cast out once and for all. Thank you so much.